0: Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. Listen and enjoy this installment of Iron Sharpening Iron as Pastor Tim answers your sincere questions. Here's Pastor Tim. On this episode of Iron Sharpening Iron, we will be answering the question, what do I do if my worthless husband won't lead? And the situation we have in mind in particular is the situation where a woman is married to what might be described as a selfish pig. Now, the selfish pig is the type of guy who essentially will show a woman little to no interest as it relates to most areas of life, and so he doesn't seem to take a whole lot of initiative. Maybe he goes to work. Uh, I mean, there, there are different types of men who fall under this category. I mean, maybe maybe he's the type of man who goes to work, uh, but then after work, he uh, is engaged in Whatever kind of entertainment that he wants to be engaged in, uh, or whatever interest that he wants to be engaged in, uh, he seems to be the kind of guy who's constantly busy pursuing his own interest, uh, leaving a wife and uh, a mother to basically fend for themselves and take care of themselves. But then he might be the kind of guy who then expects intimacy from his wife whenever uh, he's ready for it, at any time that he's ready for it, even times which are fundamentally inconvenient to her, showing little to no sympathy about the kind of situations that she finds herself in, showing her little to no intention in general uh, as it relates to life uh, in general. Uh, But then, uh, basically, a woman in that kind of situation might look at this kind of guy and say, hey, fundamentally, he's in it for himself. He only cares about me. He only appreciates me when uh, he wants something from me. But other than that, he basically doesn't really take much of an interest. He doesn't show much initiative. And it seems like he's providing little to no leadership in our life, uh, except perhaps uh, the kind of leadership that's fundamentally going to benefit him. So he might be the kind of guy who spends uh, thousands of dollars on his toys and makes me scrimp and scrape as it uh, relates to taking care of the things that our family actually needs. Uh, he might be filled with uh, double standards to where um, – functionally he has certain expectations of me uh, but then he wants me to be the one who takes all the risk who makes all the sacrifices and then fundamentally he's he's going to always be the one who gets exactly what he wants whenever he wants it and the only kind of attention he's going to show me or the only kind of leadership or direction he's going to show me is going to be times where it obviously benefits him um and and then he'll he'll you know have the audacity to wield submission and um Obedience as clubs over a woman's head to basically get her to to basically make all the sacrifices to be the one who um is functionally um, uh, uh, doing all of the hard things and is functionally, uh, basically, she, she's the only one who seems to be accountable to anything the Bible says. But whenever it comes to him, he has some convenient excuse why he doesn't have to do anything that she might desire him to do or expect him uh, to do. And so uh, many many women uh, throughout history, are, and particularly just thinking in terms of recent history, many women have found themselves in this kind of situation where, where they're married to a passive male who seems to be fundamentally uh, not not the type of male like the brute who is uh, who basically goes to work and is uh, working himself exhausted to where he basically has nothing else to give, and that's just the situation he might happen to be in. Uh, the selfish pig is the kind of person who who um, may or may not have a job. Uh, most often, I mean, there's plenty of guys who have jobs, who work their jobs, are faithful with their jobs, but then, you know, when, when it comes to the family life, they're functionally, they've checked out, and they're pursuing their own agenda, and then they only come to the wife when they want something. And so, in a past generation, <coughs> this might look like, a, you know, a man who works a normal job, comes home, sits on the couch, and watches TV the rest of the night. You know, the kind of man who's like, keep the women, or keep keep the children quiet, you know, no one talk to me, leave me alone, I'm watching the game, that kind of thing, uh, who basically doesn't want to be bothered, who doesn't want uh, any interaction, who's basically, uh, just, uh, basically just takes up space in the house he expects he may expect the wife to cook for him to clean for him to uh to um, always be sexually ready for him he might be that kind of man uh, particularly in a past generation but then he provides a little no tangible leadership uh, now with the rise of millennials this might be the video game um playing g- guy who comes home and <laughs> puts on his headset and checks out and yeah he he's doing his gaming thing while after work and everyone else is just left to, the wife is just left uh to- Manage a bunch of unruly kids while functionally this husband ignores her. Uh, but then, whenever he wants something from her, he's going to come and ask her and expect her to be available to him. Um, and so, there, there might be that kind of uh, husband, or it could just be the kind of husband who's just off pursuing his own hobbies or his own interests. He, you know, he's um, the kind of guy who's always hanging out with his friend and always having his guy time and all, always pursuing uh, activities and interests um, that he has. But then he'll he'll provide little to no. Um, uh, You know, help when his wife uh, actually needs it. He'll he'll provide little to no help when his wife actually needs it. But then he'll always expect her to be there and ready to talk whenever he's ready to talk or ready to be intimate whenever he's ready to be intimate. What does a woman do in that kind of situation? What what should she do? Now, uh, one of the things to realize is that um, you know, whenever you're talking about a male uh, using his authority to fundamentally pursue his own self-centered agenda uh one of the things that we instinctively feel in those kind of situations is we instinctively feel intuitively that an abuse of authority uh seems to be very uh uh, uh a much more heinous kind of crime than um than the uh rejection of authority and so uh you know there's a moral intuition essentially to say that with great power comes great responsibility and and we typically view the kind of guy who's abusing his authority in this way to fundamentally be an agenda that uh, pursues selfishness this is the kind of guy who uh, fundamentally we 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 typically do not have a whole lot of good words for so how, how, how would we counsel a woman in this kind of situation? Well, one of the things to realize is that it, if this is the exact situation that you find yourself in, uh, there, there's nothing that's more frustrating, particularly to uh, you know individuals, loved ones of individuals who who are in this kind of situation, than to look on the outside and to see a loved one in a situation where they're functionally in a one-sided relationship, uh, a relationship that's always that's only about the one person. I mean, there's there's just nothing this there's very little in life that can be more frustrating or more uh, where you can extend uh, you know. uh, as much sympathy towards as those kind of situations Uh, and when you see something like that it it really is um it it, it really is discouraging to watch and it really does um um leave you with a lot of frustration just to look at it on the outside so how do you deal with it well I, i think in general one of the things to realize is that marriage um Without denying the reality that these relationships exist, and I think that there are plenty of relationships that actually function in the, this sort of way. Uh, without doing that, one of the things to realize, though, is that uh, that there, there's always a temptation for both parties in a marriage to essentially look at the other person as if they're fundamentally selfish or to uh, to basically overlook all the areas of self-centeredness which are in your own heart. And then hyper fixate on the areas of selfishness in the other person. And so, one of the things that happens is that marriage is, is this um, uh, arrangement that God has put us in that is fundamentally meant to expose selfishness. But part of the way it exposes selfishness is that it, 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 um, because we're sinners and we don't often see ourselves very clearly, one of the things that we might find is that we might fixate on the selfishness of another person to the neglect of our own because we actually see their selfishness much easier than we see our own. Uh, so uh, one of the things to realize is that you, you put a husband you put a wife together under one roof, um, both of them are selfish. Like both of them are selfish, and so uh, if marriage is going to reveal anything about the nature of the uh, of yourself, if you're going to have any, if you're going to, there, there's going to be anything that you learn. I mean, one of the primary things I've learned in marriage is that I'm much more selfish than I realize. And so, if you know, marriage is meant to be the kind of thing that exposes your own selfishness, but then once you add kids, then the more kids you add, the more of your own selfishness it exposes. As well, and so, uh, th- and, and the reason why that's the case is because it, when you're single, one of the things that happens is you can spend all of your time doing basically whatever you want to do without any restraint. So, uh, when you add a spouse into that kind of arrangement, immediately what happens is there is this significant demand on your time that you've just taken upon yourself in getting married. Now marriage is a blessing and marriage uh, is the grace of life, but if you come into marriage as a selfish person, one of the things you're going to find is this person that you're married to is going to stand in the way of your um, your selfish desires at uh, uh, at many different points and, and and the reason why is because when you get married two people come together in the form of relationship both having different desires about how you spend your time about what you do about how you you know um, maintain a home about you um, the, th- the, the food that you eat, the, the entertainment that you pursue, the, the godly activities that you pursue. Yeah. One of the things that you realize that when you get married is all of a sudden, instead of having two opinions about, about one opinion about every subject, you have two opinions about every subject that you're going to have to figure out what to do with. Uh, but then when you add kids, one of the things that obviously happens then is that then you add another person into the mix who's, who's demanding more of your time. And so, uh, the more and more kids you, you add, the more you realize that there's all of these demands on your time and, and, If you're not the kind of person who is looking to give themselves up for the sake of others, but is the kind of person who's trying to selfishly hold on to your own time, uh, at all costs, then one of the things that you realize is that, you know, marriage is gonna either push you out, it's gonna, uh, work that selfishness and children are gonna work that selfishness out of you to where they, where it becomes the refinery that makes you more and more selfless, or you're just gonna double down on that and get frustrated and annoyed and irritated and bothered and upset with everyone around you because they're standing in the way of what you want fundamentally. So one of the things to realize is that marriage is, is um, is meant to be this um, uh, this um, uh, this arrangement you find yourself in that's going to expose your own selfishness, and then it's much easier to see the selfishness in someone else than it is to see your own selfishness. That's just the way it works. That's just how reality works. And so, uh, you know, as you think about marriage, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've looked. Uh, at some of the things that, you know, my spouse has done and, and thought, well, that is just so self-centered, only to be totally blind about uh, the own selfishness that I have that works itself out in different ways. And so, uh, you know, different families kind of train uh, each other in different forms of selfishness, and that's the way it works. And then uh, when you, so so my family growing up trained me in different forms of selfishness. So my family trained me in certain forms of selfishness that we thought were fine and that we were scandalized by other forms of selfishness that we see. And so part of what happened is we embraced and accepted in our family certain forms of selfishness as being okay, but then we rejected other forms of selfishness that we thought were outside the pale. Uh, but then often what happens in marriage is you can marry someone who's very different than you had very different upbringing in you, and their own family had different forms of selfishness that they sanctified in certain forms of um, selfishness that they rejected. So... Um, just to I can just give you a personal example as it relates uh, to my own marriage as far as that goes. And so uh, one of the things I, I was raised to be somewhat cheap, okay. <laughs> and so when you have uh, individuals who come over to your house, because I was raised in a kind of to be somewhat cheap, uh, one of the things that would happen in that kind of arrangement is that uh, there's um, you know, when I think about hospitality and having people over, uh, one of the things that that cheapness translated into my own self is that you know I try to cut corners at all cost and basically scrimp and scrape. And so you know, with birthday parties and with uh, you know hospitality, and I translated this being somewhat cheap uh, kind of form of uh, self-centeredness. Uh, I tra- I translated that into areas of gifts or hospitality, uh, but then uh, you, you know. One of the things that I well, we were raised as as a family is we were raised to to definitely be on time wherever you go, and so uh, so to we we were trained to be very others centered as it related to timeliness. Uh, but then you know we, we were we also were trained. We, it was a mixed bag, you know, with my parents. I won't tell you who was which, but we were trained. We had some ch- cheap tendencies in in uh, uh, our um. um Frugal, you know, frugal tendencies that I turned into being cheap, uh, and then we had some t- uh, timeliness. And so, but then on my wife's end of things, she was raised to just you know you kill the fatted calf no matter if you had the money or not. Uh, that's what you do, and you celebrate things like everything needs to be a huge celebration. You know, when you have people over, you need to have way more money than not. So she wasn't trained with uh, the same kind of. Um, penny pinching impulse that I was trained with uh, and so then uh, but then she wasn't necessarily trained to value timeliness as much as I was trained to value timeliness so then I can look at my wife and I can say okay like when I see like the the lack of respect for timeliness that in comparison to my own self I can say man that's just really selfish that's really self-centered man. Uh but then she can look at me with my uh penny pinching uh traits that that are good for, you know, saving money and getting ahead and everything else. Then she can look at that as just like I'm miserly and stingy and I'm really, really selfish. And so both of us are looking at each other as entirely selfish early on in our marriage, but then we're totally blind to like uh the the areas of selfishness that we actually need to grow in as well. And so you can you can the the point there of this kind of uh, thought process is, is to say that you can be hypersensitive to certain forms of selfishness and be totally oblivious to other forms of selfishness such that your, your overall perspective of this person could basically be just to look at them and say, hey, you're selfish. So, you know, early on in my marriage, I'm thinking, well, my wife's selfish. And early on in, in our marriage, she's looking at me and say, man, he's really selfish. Like, And then we're both looking at each other as just selfish, 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 not seeing how we're different. And we have different temptations and we have different impulses. And, you know, maybe, you know, m- maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't selfishness that we're seeing, but maybe we're, what we're seeing is, hey, that's a good frugal impulse on the one hand and then that's a good hospitality impulse on the other hand and that's a good let's be on time impulse on the one hand and that then that's a hey, let's like not hyper stress out and you know make everything just a big rushed mess where everyone's stressed out on the other hand and so there are so all I'm trying to say is that people can misread the person that they're married to and the only way to factor in um to, to account for that sort of thing in, a, in the course of a relationship is to be the kind of person who's saying lord uh, you know what my spouse is doing right now feels very selfish they feel like they're just very selfish and i see all these areas that they're very selfish in. and what i need you to do is help me to be sensitive to the my own areas of selfishness. And so the kind of thing you might pray at that point is you might say, Lord, help me to magnify the selfishness in my own heart. Help me to think the best of my spouse and put their actions in the best possible light. Don't put the worst possible interpretation on them, but think the best about them. And then help me to see areas of selflessness in this other person that I might be tempted to ignore. So help me... Uh, and, and part of how you can do that is you can be praying lord help me to see evidence like i just i look at my spouse and i just see man they are so selfish and i just it's re, you know it's in it's frustrating it's infuriating i don't know what to do with it they're just so selfish what you might pray at that point is lord help if If there's evidence to the contrary, help me to see it. And when I do see it, help me to thank them for it immediately. Help me to be encouraging. Help me to encourage the areas of selflessness I see more than I criticize the areas of selfishness I see. Help me to be the kind of person who sees evidence of grace in their life and evidence that you're at work in their life and evidence of really sacrificial uh, selflessness over there, and help me to fixate on those, and help those be much more important than the than the failures that I see, and help me to be praying for them with the failures that I see as well. So, so what I'm trying to say though is that uh, that is the the basic stance that a person might have in that kind of impulse, and it might be that in a lot of situations where you feel like you're married to the selfish pig. If you would just uh, be intentionally praying, help me to see the good, help me to see the good and fixate on the good and praise the good and help me to see all the areas. Whenever, whenever you're tempted to think, man, they're so selfish, then, then you should be praying that moment, Lord, help me to see my own selfishness because I'm sure that it's there too. So, and you might find that, in the same situation, there's, uh, what you're actually seeing is a conflict of values. And it might be that there's elements that you need to change too. So that would be the basic, um, uh, first kind of step to this sort of situation is to make sure that you're doing what I'm talking about and ruling out that, uh, ruling out just the basic realities of two people getting married, uh, living with each other that, that functionally, um, like it, it could be that you're misreading a situation in a pretty uh, remarkable way. Now, at the same time, I mean, there there really is the reality that you can, you, you know, you might be able to do all that, and 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 you, you know, and I would say that like <laughs> spend a few years doing that, and <laughs> uh, looking for it, and praying for it, and asking God to see it before you conclude you're just married to the selfish jerk. I would say spend years trying to grow and stretch yourself and everything else before you jump to that conclusion. But then, you know, if, if a few years in and you've been doing that and you've been praying and you've been on your knees and you've been asking the Lord, can you please, you know, help me to see the good, help me to see the good, help me to see the good, help me to put this in the best possible light. And it really just is that you're you're just married to that pigheaded jerk. <laughs> and they do exist. And that's, it just is a, you know, a, fundamentally self-centered person who's in it for themselves and and you know there's very little to no evidence of selflessness in anything that they're doing then it, you know what like i mean I, I think in that kind of situation everyone can sympathize with that kind of thing and everyone can understand that there are people like that in the world that do exist and in that kind of situation i, mean, I think one of the things that you really do have to come to is you you have to Then you have to be looking at the scriptures that say it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if your enemy hungers, feed him. And if he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you'll reap coals of fire upon his head. Uh, You know, the greatest among you is going to be a servant, you know, uh, and the first among you is going to be a slave. And Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and so what what you have to do is you have to realize that there is going to be rewards in heaven for the type of person who is in an unside, one-sided relationship there are going to be rewards in heaven there that, that are going to actually come uh to individuals who are mistreated you know but the bible says blessed are you when you're you know malign, maligned and persecuted and despitefully used like there are blessings that come from from um from from being the 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 um, the one picture of God in the midst of a, a very self centered relationship, there are those kind of blessings. And, and one of the things that you want to do is you want to joyfully em- embrace that. You want to joyfully, like, and the only way you're going to do that is if ultimately you're living for God and you're not just living for the here and now. And one of the things that that's going to do is that's going to expose all the idols in your heart. That it's going to. So you might be in a situation where you're genuinely being you know mistreated and and you have a selfish pig who's basically just in it for himself and you're genuinely being mistreated but there still could be idols that are going to be exposed in your heart like like in order to be okay i need to have someone who loves me and values me and cherishes me and someone who like like, uh, like, if you know what do i want that i'm not getting in this situation i want to be loved i want to be cherished i want to be mistreated and if i don't get that if i don't uh, if if I'm not loved the way I want to be loved, then you know functionally I'm going to give up and I'm going to quit. And so, am I in this relationship just giving to get? Like I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Or am am I in this kind of relationship trying to be Jesus to um, to uh, you, you know a hard and stubborn heart? Um, do I realize it's more blessed to give than receive? Am I trying to be a servant? Am I trying to be a slave? Like, Am I trying to be those things? And so I, I think uh, there are lessons that you can learn even when you're being abused. Uh, that And these are the type of lessons that are going to actually refine your character. Uh, but then I wouldn't suggest that fundamentally a woman in that situation simply be a doormat or simply you know, never point out that there is a one-sided dynamic to this relationship. Um, so, I, I think you ought to go out of your way to, in a respectful tone of voice and in a an respectful way, you, you call your, like, rebuke your pig headed husband for what he's doing. And uh, in, in part of, in, one of the easiest ways to do that, I think, is to try to start by asking questions. And so, when you, th- like, like, here would be what I would recommend. Instead of just, like, you, you see your husband do something that's selfish. Then you scream and you say, "How dare you do this again?" And you're just so selfish. What you should do in those moments is just to say, "Hey, can you explain why you did that? Uh, I, I really want to understand why you did that uh, because I, I um, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, you know, wh- uh, you know, I've asked you, you know, I've asked you, you know, multiple times that um, when you come home, you don't just like, you know. Throw your clothes all over the floor, and but then you keep on doing that. You don't seem to care. Um, what? Why did you? Why did you do that this time? Is there something that I'm missing? You know. And so I think like trying to figure out how to just ask questions, and then ask questions, and actually be able to hear the answer. So when you see something that's monstrously selfish, go in there first, asking the question: Why did you do that? You know why uh, what did that mean? you know when you said that what is what why did you do that? you know uh, w- w- uh I'm trying to understand uh so you went home from work, you got home from work and then you've um sat there on a couch and you've watched TV for five hours and then you haven't talked to me all day and then you then um it makes sense to come and ask me for intimacy later after I've been dealing with the kids all day long and everything else. why? How, how does that make sense? Um, uh, what are you thinking? You know, what is your thought process with all that? I would ask those questions. I would confront your husband. You know, if he's given bad answers to those things, I would confront him. Uh, I would do so in a respectful way. I wouldn't just, you know, there's no virtue in just being a doormat. But then at the same time, um, you know, if you're married to the kind of guy who's just going to, you know, be petty and childish and selfish and, And just going to harden his heart and just going to get angry and get upset. You know, obviously, you got to, if you should be going, a faithful member of a church who's going to have pastors in your life who you can come to if your husband refuses to interact with that, confront him about that. There's a church discipline process you can follow to help you refine some of these things. Uh, And there's counselors that you should be getting at your church. So you should be getting a, going to a church that's going to shepherd you and have a church discipline process to help you navigate through these things. But then assuming that you're dealing with just a self-centered, selfish pig husband who's just going to do whatever he's going to do and isn't isn't really accountable to any uh, church anymore, and you're just on your own as far as all those things go, well, then at that point, you're in win over without a word territory. Uh, When they observe your chase and respectful behavior, if you've exhausted any attempt to rebuke and if you've exhausted any attempt to talk about it and try to understand and request that he get help at a certain point, you're in win them over without a word kind of territory. And and just know that, you know, that um, that there's a lot of women who enter into that kind of territory they say, hey, I tried that for a week, and then it didn't work, or I tried that for a month, and it didn't work, or I tried that for two months, and it didn't work, and so now I'm just exasperated and at my wit's end. And, and you know, there's uh, examples in church history like, uh, you know, Augustine's uh, mother, Monica, who spent years and years and years praying for a stubborn and unrepentant husband and self-centered husband, and, and you know, one of the things to realize is if that's you, hey, your rewards in heaven will be great. Uh, your rewards in heaven will be great uh, to be a faithful light in the midst of, uh, you know, a one-sided and selfless, uh, self-centered relationship. And you're never more like Christ when, the, when you're fundamentally you're mistreated for righteousness' sake. And so, um, um, so uh, you know, as you think about living with the selfish pig, one of the thing, the most encouraging things to be, to realize is that there's nothing that that selfish man can do to stop you from being faithful now uh you know as with all of these scenarios that we've walked through being married to the brute being married to the the limpersted uh beta uh being married to the conquered coward uh being married to the weary warrior or or being married to um to um essentially this last category that we have been uh, talking about this category of uh, the selfish pig, one of the things to realize is that that most relationships are are not going to fall neatly into one of these categories, but hopefully these kind of categories can give you um, certain postures that are certain principles that can make sense of of a lot of different marriages and so most marriages are not just a clear cut. Uh, there's uh, there's very few marriages that are going to neatly fall you know in these kind of categories in the exact kind of way, but they they do represent uh, tendencies, and so you know, every marriage is going to be a complicated mess of it, it probably of, of of some faithfulness and some um, some uh, unfaithfulness on both people's part, and it'll be a good mix of both. But hopefully, this has been helpful to try to get you to think through how to navigate some of these things. This has been another installment of Iron Sharpening Iron. As always, if you would like to have your question included in one of these midweek episodes, email us at biblebashedpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gab. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.